yeah, randomly. Um, my name is Wyatt, and I just graduated from UC Davis with a double major in art history and classical languages, meaning that I am deeply embedded in the humanities. Yep. Uh, my name is Michael. I am going into my fourth year at Chico State as a computer science major with an applied statistics and statistics minor and a data science certificate. So I am in the, the STEM uh, field, particularly computer science and math. And that's a fun little dynamic we've got going on here. So what did you want to say about dichotomy? Well, okay. <laughs> I guess this is a form of dichotomy. Um, it's just funny thinking of STEM and humanities and how mm-hmm. they are in a way dichotomous, but more um, mm-hmm. they work in parallel. Right. STEM and computer science is such a modern invention. Right. So it's an acronym. Uh-huh. Well, acronyms are very old. They uh, feel very, very, very modern. Right. And, like, the term humanities has been around for five centuries at this point. The term humanities was developed and used primarily in the 1500s during the Renaissance, but, I mean, the Romans used it, so it's super old. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I was just going to say dichotomies. It was um really funny at the presentation that I did at the De Young Museum mm-hmm. in april at the end of april um they sat us all that all the speakers down at a large panel and one of the grad students kicked off the q a's with all of your guys's papers talk about dichotomies elaborate like well, how do you where do you think the dichotomy lies in your paper explain la di da di da and i could tell that the first three kids had no clue what dichotomy meant <laughs> and i was yeah. like fifth or something and i'm just like i just know that dichotomy means opposite Oh, God. I hope to God. So I just rambled a little bit about, like, hmm, I'm talking about movement in stone. Right, right. You could not get more dichotomous than that. And then the next guy who went was just like, we're humans. Everything's dichotomous. Nothing is truly dichotomous. That's just a human figment of their imagination that's created. Right. right. So, dichotomy, which, I mean, this is all about dichotomies in a way. Dichotomies sounds like a Greek name. That's well, like, it is a word. Okay. A Greek word. Right. Uh, dichotomos. 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 The moose would have been the Latin, <laughs> okay. or the romanization of the Greek. So does it just mean different? Or? Yeah, I guess. Okay. I would assume that, if anything, it would come from the Latin uh, dic, dico, which is mm-hmm. um, to point out, to say. So something that's dichotomous says something different than something else. I'm pretty sure that's a Greek word, not a Latin word. And dico is most definitely Latin, not Greek. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay, off topic. Okay, uh, that's fine. I've got some more off topic <laughs> things. Okay, so this might be a question for Google instead of you, but you are my you are my second form of Google. And you, the thing you mentioned about STEM being an acronym just made me think of something. There's a is. Are there different, like, I think there's, like, a different word for an acronym that you say just as a word, like STEM, versus one where you say the letters, like, NRA, or something like that? Um, and I don't remember what, the like, the distinction between that is, other I th- than I think there is a specific word, but I don't know. It might be a metronymic. Mm-hmm. I think it's a metronymic, which is just, nimic means name, mm-hmm. so it could also mean word, like NATO, mm-hmm. uh, STEM. <laughs> Right. Yeah, there's quite a few of okay. those. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's, I think that's metronymic. Mm-hmm. 
versus the ones that you you actually say the letters out like NRA, TCP, JPL, uh, yeah, Na- or NASA is a metronomic, mm. yeah, or yeah. So I think it's they're both forms of acronyms, but we just right. have a specific name for the one that uh, has its own linguistic pattern separate from the phonetic alphabet. Mm-hmm. Okay, so almost five minutes in let's get to the actual topic of discussion that we're going to do which i wrote down as focusing on the opponent is an important step in advancing in sports or games what do you think like or like what do you you think just based on what i have written down there um if you have anything that like well i mean the first thing that comes to mind is obviously the reason why you and i are friends of course tennis um I'm a really shitty tennis player because I just focus on what I do. I My entire method of playing tennis is I am a wall. I hit the ball back. The ball goes in. I don't care where it goes in. Right. Where when you play tennis, you tend to like, huh, this person has a bad backhand or this person doesn't run here. Or you also look, you hit the ball and then you look at the person and you can tell where they're going to hit the ball back. Right. And that's what I never learned to do. Mm-hmm. And I would say that's probably one of the main reasons why I never was as successful in tennis as you were. Yeah. I mean, I would, I, I always, like, yeah, I realize, like, how, like, constant that is because in, like, the three main competitive things I do, which, well, I say competitive, smash, tennis, and volleyball very recently, I've had instances where that is important and where I've seen examples of people or someone that doesn't look at the opponent versus someone that does, and I've seen the distinction there. Like, in Smash, I will play... With, like, sometimes when I play with Corey, like, he's mentioned before that he isn't looking at me when we're playing, whereas, like, for the most part, I am watching what his character is doing. Um, in volleyball, recently, I we were playing a match at lunch, and I went to, like, go for a hit, and I just got completely stuffed by the guy that was blocking me there, and I'm like, huh, he's not covering... He's not wide, so if I put this liter- ball literally anywhere other than right to him, that would not have been an issue. But I yeah. was not even remotely thinking about... I should be looking where I want to put this ball. I was thinking, I want to get this ball over the net and into the zone that it is not going to lose us the point if it hits the ground. So that is a lot of you... Focusing, me focusing on myself. Well, it's comfort. It's comfort also, right? Because you're very comfortable with tennis. You've been playing tennis since you were... Summer after fourth grade, so 11 years at this point. Yeah. Someone very recently just asked me how long I've been playing. And I mean, Smash, you've been playing Smash probably just as long, longer. uh, Not as long. I played, I started playing 64 in, like, middle school. Yeah, but I mean, you started at 64. Yeah, so I I played 64, like, a lot in middle school, and then when Brawl came out, I was big into Brawl, and then I didn't really get into, like, competitive per se until mm-hmm. like halfway into smash four yeah. but yeah so yeah i've done yeah. those things a lot more which is why i'm more comfortable and, and volleyball is super very new very you. very new yes i have a lot of theoretical knowledge about volleyball because i because i've seen like i've watched like professional volleyball and i've watched like tutorials and stuff like that i mean we did it in pe too yeah but like the as far as like the actual execution is my problem which is why i'm like i'm there i want to hit it over i'm not i don't care what they're doing right now and the thing in tennis something that was amazing to me is i was playing with dante and he asked me at some point, or I think he, he asked me, like, when you're playing, how often are you looking at your opponent? Or I might have asked him that. I don't remember the, the exact details, but I was like, basically, anytime I'm not looking at the ball. And he was like, I literally never even look, like, look over at your side. I'm like, that seems alien to me. But that's why Dante's matches lasted. <laughs> yes. Literal eons. Yep. And also why he would walk off 
and halfway fall down and would be sweating. Well, I mean, we all sweated a bunch. We lived in Northern California, like can you expect? Yep, 110 degree summers. Quite I love them. But Dante was always, always, always exhausted. And also, I mean, you practiced a lot. That kid practiced a lot. Yes, 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 yes. So it's the it's, it's, the thing is like it's a very clear like that's a very clear moment where it's like you this is like a turning point for your progression in that mm-hmm. sport or game or whatever it is because the initial thing is it, to me it's like a, it's like it's synonymous with the point where you get to the point where you don't have to think about really what you're doing anymore like for me like getting into a new sport like volleyball like makes me like realize this kind of thing because like if I'm in tennis and I see a ball coming to me I don't have to think about okay it's coming to my forehand. How should my grip be? When should I be? When should I be winding up? When should I be doing that kind of thing? It's just natural. I mean, there's still the extent of like, okay, I need to assess which which way this ball's coming, where it's going to be when it gets to me. But like, as far as like the whole like the mechanics and everything, I just like intuitively understand that at this point, and I'm comfortable enough with it to like know what I can and can't do and to improvise and that sort of thing. Yeah, whereas I, with, I just think, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, and the, the same thing with with volleyball. Like with volleyball, it's like if the ball's coming at me, I'm like, okay, I need to think about, okay, I need to make sure my hands are in the right position. I need to make sure my feet are in the right position. I need to think about where I want to send this ball. I need to get my everything in the right angle, and like that whole thing. It, it's the difference between like how much mental energy you need to expend just making sure you're doing everything right. Mm-hmm. And once it gets to the point where it's like, okay, I don't need to think about. I don't need to think about what I'm doing anymore. Then you can focus on your opponent. So in tennis, it's like, okay, which way is this guy facing? I can kind of tell which where he's going to go next. Um, am I should I be hitting like a drop shot or like a slice, or do I want to hit a cross court here, like that kind of thing, or like like the pattern um, recognition as well. So it's like, okay, this guy when he's at the net, he always he always hits a short ball on the approach shot. So when he's coming up to the net, I should be moving up, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's a very like it, it it's it's not funny exactly, but it's interesting to think about like how constant that is. Like in any like I, I don't have a ton of other examples because I haven't played as many other sports and like that kind of thing. But it was interesting to me to think that like, okay, of the three ones that I've done, all of them have that aspect of once you can stop thinking about yourself and start thinking about your opponent, like it's a whole new game at that point. Um, so the nerdiest thing that I've probably ever done is uh. play competitive chess for four years. Right. And chess, once you learn how all the pieces move, if you want to be a good player, mm-hmm. it's all a game of ref- of responding. Right. Like, what you ahead. do does not matter. I thought you were going to say reflexes, and I'm like, I don't think no, you play responding. chess the same way I did. <laughs> responding. Um, right. You're out here playing full contact chess. But like, so, um, Parker Wilson, um, mm-hmm. Sean Wilson, Sean one of our teachers, yeah. uh, youngest sons, his father always thought that he was a prodigy because he would think out the entire game in advance. Right. So, I started every time I played against him, just, I would do a stupid move that would not make any sense. Yep. I'd win because he was, he planned only his moves. Right. He planned, like, five different ways to checkmate and, like, la di da di da So, I just re- only reacted to him. Right. And then it was easy to beat him. But thinking of this as, like, reaction to someone else, mm-hmm. you took it purely competitive. Think about all the other things that this applies to, such as driving. When you're first learning to drive, you're oh. very, very self-conscious. Yes. And you're like, I need to turn my turn signal on 300 
yeah. feet before and the stop a- sign. Every turn, I need to check side mirror, back mirror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That and happens. how do you drive now? I don't even think about the fact. And that you're I don't like, even think about where that. are the other cars yeah. around me? Yeah. This no. person stopping. Okay. Where's the Here's blinker? the thing. After driving on I-80, because like I, because like just going on 99 back and forth in Chico, I don't have to have to deal with more than two lanes. Mm-hmm. So I now have to think. Okay, this lane I'm going to merge into. Is the person on the other side also going to try to merge into me? I need to be aware, like more situationally aware. Yeah, and there's so many, so many other things that mm-hmm. this could apply to if you think of it outside of a competitive sense. Mm-hmm. Um, Not so and, much as like an opponent, but just into like thinking about the environment. Yeah, well, I mean, in a way, it's still necessary. Uh, humans. Yeah. An, well, okay. Opposing I mean, yeah. human in a way. Yeah. Because the thing that popped up popped into my head when we like first started this conversation mm-hmm. was how I react as a blossoming scholar to other scholars. Okay. So when I read a paper now, mm-hmm. when I first started college, it was like, oh man, this person's writing is so much better than mine. I need to focus on like every single word that they say, and I need to take notes, la-di-da-di-da. Right. And now when I read an article... I don't have to focus so much on what they're saying. I'll get the content fine, mm-hmm. but I start to critique their writing styles and think about, huh, I don't really like this in their writing style. Why is their message not strong? Why mm-hmm. is this not a well-received article? Right. And then I adapt that into my own writing to make myself a better opponent. So less about the content, more about the presentation. Yeah, which in a way is thinking about your right. opponent, your right. opposition. Mm-hmm. But that's also in a... I mean, I would not say I'm doing it to be competitive. I'm doing it to better myself. Right. But humanities is a very... <laughs> Inherently competitive. Very competitive field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting that I think of... That my mind for this situation went to the human aspect in which we live, and then my career mm-hmm. and yours went to games, sports. Right. Like, that's an yeah. interesting dichotomy. <laughs> which I wonder if we've just found the name of it. That's good. I like that. If this would true ever be a I podcast. like the sound of that. So I think the thing, like for me, is just like I, I thought I went there because that's where I had I, I personally experienced the realizations mm-hmm. where you personally experienced that kind of situation in your your field, which is why we both went the respective places that but we But admittedly, when you first said this, the first thing that popped up was tennis. Right, right. But also I tend to think about tennis more when we're hanging out because yeah. that's how we became friends. So the thing I the thing you mentioned about like chess, about like you would make like a stupid move or whatever because Parker was thinking like his own stuff out. That there's a kind of an interesting thing. I, I want to call it a paradox. I don't know if that's exactly the correct right word for it, but there's the I think I've talked to the, you about this before. There's the idea where it's like certain plays that you can do in tennis. If you if they will not work on people that are not that good because they don't like in like fake out plays like that kind of thing. Like there's a shot that Federer does. Where he goes up and he 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 pulls up his arm on his forehand side like he's going to hit a drop shot, and he sl- he does a drive slice like into the into the back court. So people they'll see him going up for the drop shot. They'll start coming up, and then it'll go behind. And it's a them. super long shot, yeah. right? And the thing there is like I like when I play against like Lauren or Dante or something like that. I think like ooh, I want to do this. I want to fake him out, but they're not. They don't care what I'm doing. They're not seeing. Oh, his arms going up. He's faking a drop. He's going to go for a drop shot. So it's like the thing is like they're too they're not good enough to fall for the trick, yeah. which is kind of an which interesting is very thing to response based. Yeah, but it seems like we have decided that looking at your opponent is something that comes with time. Yes, and confidence and yes. also skill level. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Wait, no, yeah. I don't know. Paradox is the right word, by the way. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's interesting. And how many other things that works for or doesn't work for? Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, it, it just it gets to the point. I think just in general, you can apply that to anything where there's a certain there's a certain skill barrier between like you having to focus on what you're doing versus you can just do your own thing without having to worry about it. To the point where now the the other things in the in your environment, mm-hmm. your opponents, or just the other people are now. Like, you can now put your energy towards that instead of having to focus on all the mechanics that you're doing. Yeah. It's interesting. It's like, it's fun to think about. And I think it is, like, that's an important, like, once you've hit that spot, it's like now you've opened up a whole new, like, a whole new thing to do, to, like, new things to learn, new uh, places new to, advance. to advance. Yeah. yeah, have you heard of the levels of mastery? Levels of mastery. Um, probably. That sounds vaguely familiar. I don't remember what all of them are, but I mean, this obviously... <laughs> yeah. It, it, it sounds similar to that. Like, the thing is, like, where you have to think about everything you're doing, then certain, like, certain stuff that you do becomes automatic, and then you have to think about what your opponent's doing. Yeah. And then, like, it's... I would imagine, like, you have a rough idea of generally what opponents do, so now you assume that, versus, like, actually watching patterns, like, that kind of thing. It yeah. It's usually... Um referred to in language actually a lot because then you have to decide when you're beginner intermediate advanced fluent yeah yeah okay so i have heard that like the highest form of mastery of a language is if you understand puns in another language or like linguistic humor and that sort of thing yeah that's like i i don't remember where i heard that but i heard that like it's like if you understand like um like language humor in another language, then, like, that's really advanced. I mean, that's not always necessarily true, because some of those are very... Obvious. Obvious and innate, and I mean, a lot of the times, as a youth, at least, when you go to learn a foreign language, what's the first thing you're gonna do? Learn the bad words, learn the jokes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Learn how to say where's the bathroom. (laughs) Yeah. But so, okay, I found what I was talking about. Okay. It's actually called the Hierarchy of Competence. Competence. Okay, okay. Um, So the bottom level is... Uh, unconscious incompetence. Un- so it's the wrong intuition. That's actually okay. So this is like when you that... hit tennis ball like a baseball. Yes, and but the or okay, um, you just reminded me of the idea. Like that's another key distinction for me when I'm looking at people that play tennis and assessing. There is like there's a distinct difference between the kid who hits the ball and it sails long, and they go, "Why the hell did that happen?" Versus the kid that hits the ball and it sails long and it's like, oh, my racket face must have been open. I need to close it on the next Well, night. there's a step between that, okay. which is the conscious incompetence, okay, which is wrong analysis. Right. So I hit the ball, it goes flying, and I'm like, that's wrong. I must have hit it too hard. Okay, okay. I so see. then you get to the conscious competence, which is the right analysis. Uh-huh. I hit the ball. It went long. My face is open. Yes, okay. I did the wrong, or I did the wrong thing, and, and you, you correct, you correctly you find the correct yeah. wrong thing, right, right, right. And then you get to unconscious competence, which is the right intuition. Mm-hmm. So kind of you're just instinctually doing it right, and you right. don't have to like analyze it. Mm-hmm. It's intuition. Mm-hmm. Huh. I never thought about the difference between analysis and intuition. It as in like intuition is you just know, whereas analysis is like you need to like go in yeah. and like assess and yeah. think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because most of I base my analysis usually off my own intuition, mm-hmm. but then sometimes I'm just like, "Hold on, everyone, be quiet. <laughs> Give me five minutes, okay?" Right. And that's like true analysis, right. I suppose. 
that's logistical analysis yeah. versus intuitive. I mean, analysis. I kind of have that with tennis as well because, like, occasionally. So, like, what'll happen is like one of the kids will come up to like if I'm at, if I'm coaching, one of the kids will come up to me that like I haven't personally been watching, and they'll say, "Oh, I'm having this issue. What am I doing wrong?" And I think, okay, usually if this is your problem, you're either doing this or you're doing this other thing. That's probably your issue. And then I will go and watch them, and then I'll go, okay, it's this one. Or, oh, you're doing this other thing that I didn't think of because that's not usually what the issue is there. So I guess that's like the, that's kind of like an example of like your in- intuition versus analysis to a certain degree. So Everything a, is just going to be about tennis for me. Yeah. <laughs> that's I fine. Mean, fair. Yeah. That, that is your life. Mm-hmm. Um, as an IT guy, though, mm-hmm. there's a word for that. It's called troubleshooting. Oh, yeah. Very fair. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, did you turn, is the power button on? Is it plugged in? <laughs> just start at the very bottom, and you'll be amazed how many, how many just, like, people, because people don't think, like, about the basic stuff. Like so I guess intuition is, say, you're, like, tech support, and a person calls you, and you can tell by their voice that they're, they are a competent person. So you don't need to go through the steps of, yeah. do you plug in? Is it turned on? Because yeah. your intuition tells you. Uh-huh. So one of the interesting things that I learned, like, I learned firsthand doing IT for the school is people that don't know tech are very, very bad at diagnosing what the problem is. <laughs> because there, there's, like, I'll either, like, I'll, I'll get the thing, person that says, oh, my computer's not working. And I'm like, okay, that's incredibly broad. Could you be any more specific? Sure. And then versus the people that, like, or they'll say, like, oh, like, I don't have this thing downloaded that I need to have downloaded, when the problem is there's just not a shortcut on the, <laughs> on the desktop. I... <laughs> I got called in um, at one, like early on in the school year at one point, and this lady's like, "Oh yeah, I did. I don't have this program program installed. Can you go and install it for me?" And I'm like, in my mind, I'm thinking, "I 100% installed that program on every single one of the teacher's devices." I'm pretty sure she just means there's no icon because my dad has talked like about doing that before. So I'm like, "Okay, yeah, sure, I'll come in." And I went in, and I'm, I'm like, "I'll go in the program." And I'm like, "Yep, this is 100% installed." So I just go in and make a shortcut, and I don't and I don't tell her. Hey, this was actually installed. There's just I just put a shortcut up for you because she doesn't need to know that. I just say, "Yep, okay, you're all good to go." And now. it took you what two minutes? Did, like probably less than that. <laughs> but yeah, there's a kind of thing like it's, it's something I've, I've learned the value of in tech is not explaining shit that people don't need to know. Like I will say that is one th- thing. My I, I I've learned this from listening to my mom talk to me about my dad talking about tech stuff. Is that a lot of times my dad will like over explain. Or I'll get to the thing where it's like, like, I know it's like, okay, if I get it, if my, someone asks me what this thing is, or like how to do this, I know there are going to be certain things that I can explain that aren't necessary to know to actually do what they want. And also, they're not going to understand anyway. So it's like, you have to like know like what is actually necessary. Like, it's the kind of thing where it's like, you don't necessarily have to know how an engine works to drive a car. No, but I mean, there are good things to knowing. Right. Of course. So I'm wondering if... That is just building a whole new layer of incompetence. Because, right, we grew up with, like, we grew up mm-hmm. with technologies. Yes. Technologies. Ooh. <laughs> so we're used to, like, son, come here, come help me figure this out. Right. There's no excuse for that anymore. I mean, yeah. maybe if people I mean, are 80 or 90. Yeah, so there's a thing, it's like, so we've always learned, like, okay, information is so easy to find. I guess it's the question of, like, are there people there that were there? They're not used to the idea that literally you can find anything you need to know. But they, like, they know that. Well, I mean, that's and why... Google's that's why... been around for... I mean, the internet just celebrated 30 years. Right. Google has to have been around for close to 20? Google, I believe, started in the sometime in the 1990s. 
Yeah, so that's at least 20 years. Right. That's just incompetence at that point. Because we use... We use technology in our everyday lives regardless right. of who you are. Unless mm-hmm. you're the extreme elderly. Mm-hmm. Or Amish. <laughs> that, I mean, they're even changing the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, when your mom or something is like, I can't figure out how to use this phone, is that because she can't figure it out? Or is that I willful Willful ignorance. Or negligence. Negligence. You know, for a person who's trained in half a dozen languages, I'm really bad at being. You get, you get them all mixed up. It's fine. No, English, no. English is bullshit. I just can't speak English. <laughs> yeah, um, it depends. I mean, I'm sure there are some people where it's like, I think like with my parents, well, my mom more so because my dad is in the technology field. <laughs> Your dad like, is very yes, in the technology yes. field. So with my mom, it's the kind of thing where it's like, I mean, I, I part of it also I imagine comes with being raised like poor, like also before the whole like technology was so widespread. Yeah, but um. I think it's the, I think she just doesn't have the I can go to Google and look this up and know about it versus she has the okay I know people that know tech I will ask them because I am more comfortable with going to a person and being taught by a person than reading this yeah. thing. Well, and the other thing is like know, knowing how to efficiently use Google and like find searches thing like that is important cuz my mom is the kind of person where it's like okay I want to know what at like oh I recognize like what's that movie from like I'm trying to think of with this actor in it and then she will put in like what is the movie with the the blonde person that looks like this person instead of something like that instead of just being like instead of like using keywords or like that yeah. kind of thing like I I can't remember the last Jim time I typed Carrey, the... 1997 yes I can't liar, remember liar. The, I can't remember the last time I did I typed in a full sentence in Google yeah. like it's like it's just that kind of thing and also there are just certain things that like I feel like come with being in like having being raised in it and just like you take for granted that you know like i remember when we were in here playing D D, uh or not D D. i'm just gonna call it D star wars rp star I've wars decided, RPG. i've decided edge of the empire okay when we, were, when we were playing edge of the empire and um rachel asked i think it was rachel asked what is the di- or no, no no okay there was two distinct times one was when rachel asked what is the difference between passive and active and then when i said do you know what a skill tree is and all three of them <laughs> said no and I'm looking at Bashir like, this is so like like that's just thing. It's like I can I know that like I can say a skill tree or passive versus active or like damage over time or AOE and like mm-hmm. for the most part someone that has like some amount of experience with video games will know what I mean. Yeah, and even like you just said AOE and it took me like five seconds, but I got there. Yeah, but you know, but you got there. But I've been playing video games since right. I was. So that's the thing. Nine. We've been we've been raised on the internet. So that's mm. the thing. It's like people like people don't have that certain. Thing. Yeah, but also, I mean, what you just said is so niche. Like right. skill trees, active passive effects. That's very very niche to video games and things like that. Right. When a person is like, I can't figure out how to turn Do Not Disturb off on my phone. Mm-hmm. It's like, did you even look at settings? Right. Like that should be at this point. Mm-hmm. All technology has had settings. Right. Like, well, I, every computer and every phone, since they've had screens, mm-hmm. have set have had a settings feature. Mm-hmm. It's like, just go to settings. Yeah. But, I mean, like, I'd argue, like, even at a certain point, it's like, oh, you have to know, okay, like, I, I, I don't necessarily know that I would agree that, like, every phone with a screen having settings is common. Like, okay, I'm not going to say it's not common knowledge, but I mean to, like, the extent that, like, 
that is not necessarily something that everyone would go, oh, I want to know where this thing is. It's probably going to be in settings. Like, I mean, part of that, maybe that is playing into the willful negligence, per se. Mm-hmm. It's like the fact that they haven't picked that up. But I mean, like, I don't know. I try to be very patient with people as far as, like, not knowing things. Yeah. It just depends. I suppose this comes also partially from the dichotomy between us, because in the humanities, my ent- the entire point of my career is to better explain, further explain, elaborate. Right. And innately, if you're in the humanities, you are a teacher. Mm-hmm. Like, when I tell people I study art history or classics, they're like, oh, you're a professor, or you're going to be a professor. <laughs> so for me, teaching is innate. And, like, when I go to do my presentations and I want to assume that everyone knows that marble is heavy and bronze is lighter, my professor's like, no, you have to explain that. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, no, that seems stupid to explain that. Mm -hmm. But the difference is I have to explain things because my job is teaching. Your job is not teaching. Your job is fixing. Right. Yeah. So there's a difference there, and that also creates a different Mm -hmm. mindset the two of us. Right. And I mean, that like that whole thing between, like, what do you actually have to teach them is kind of like a case-by-case basis kind of thing. Because on the one hand, it's like, okay, this person wants to know how to pr- learn to, how to use the projector. Like, some people will say, okay, click on this button, then click on that button, then do move this dial, then click on the thing. So they just know the sequence of events, but they don't know what anything actually does. Versus, okay, if you go into your settings, this shows you everything. If you click on printer, that'll... I don't know why I said... Why I switched from printer to projector. Because of our printer issue. If you, issue if you click on the projector, this will show you the list of all those things. It's like, it depends on, like, how much level of explaining you want to actually do. And that depends. Like, some people are going to be very difficult to teach that, that um, level of usability to. Some people will be fine with just knowing the just the inputs to do and i mean that's like now we're just kind of getting into a question of like do you need like do you need to know what's actually going on under the hood because that's like that's better that's it's better to know Mm -hmm. that in most situations because then if you're put into a situation where something changes you might be able to make changes to the way you do it to reconcile with that versus i'm doing all my inputs in exactly the way you taught me but these buttons have switched in one of the updates and now it broke everything. Yeah. So yeah. it just depends. It's kind of a case-by-case basis thing. So but I suppose that could go back to confidence. Yep. And that's up to you as the tech person, me as the professor, mm-hmm. to decide whether or not or what to teach the person. Because mm-hmm. we're comfortable with our own material. Right. And now, I mean, even you as the tech person are put in the position of a teacher or a fixer Mm -hmm. and i mean you can decide sean wilson you probably just want to fix it for him Mm -hmm. but like maybe mr rodriguez you want to explain a little bit more right so it's gauging your opponent Mm -hmm. or the person you're interacting with right and that's something like the thing the thing with like tennis Again, to go back to my one and... It's the, okay. We're thing. getting long, so we should wrap up, and this is perfect. We're bringing it all okay. back together. Think back to tennis. Is I always try to, I try to explain the underlying mechanics so people will understand the game, because I think that is one specific thing where just knowing, okay... Like, like if, someone, if someone's ball is flying high, I don't say, close your racket face. I will say, okay, when you make contact like this, the angle on your racket will change with the way the ball is going, so if you have it like this, it'll go that way, so you want to do it like that. Like, there are certain cases where I think, like, it is important to know the underlying yeah. things there. So, some That's... things, 
you need to do some things you might not need to case by case basis it's fun to think about yeah you can assume that a student that's playing tennis mm-hmm. wants to learn more right where perhaps a teacher whose projector isn't working <laughs> they don't they don't need fix. they don't want to necessarily know like how the settings menu and the projector yep. and everything works they just want to be able to use it because mm-hmm. knowing how knowing how it works is not the point they need to use it to do this other shit that yep. they actually care about and the, okay real quick side note the thing you mentioned about like is it safe to assume that the people that I'm talking to know about the properties of marble versus bronze is <laughs> like, yeah, that's another interesting thing to think about. Okay. Like what can I assume is common knowledge versus what do I have to explain? Like, well, that's something you just learned. Yeah. And like, I, I usually try to operate under the, no one knows anything unless I know that they know it. And even then, like I will usually try to do like, are you familiar with this thing? Like what I like what what I used to do with you when we played doubles. Like if you did something, I would be like, "Hey, do you know what went wrong there?" And you'll be, yeah. and then if you like, "Yeah, I know," then I don't need to explain it to you. But if you're like, "No," it's like, "Okay, well, you did this." I don't want to like be condescending and tell you shit that you already know. But I also want to make sure that like you do like if you didn't know that you do know now. So yeah, that's why every good professor is gonna say, "Stop me." You have a question, raise your hand. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Except for when people, when I tell people I study ancient artwork, and they're like, oh, like the 1500s? That's a stupid <laughs> question. That was 500 years ago. That's a blink of an eye. Well, the I mean, stuff I study happened 3,000 years yeah. ago. But I mean, there are some people, it's like the people that think Northern California is San Francisco. Yeah. It's just like, it's, they, they have a very limited scope. <laughs> it just depends. Yeah. It just depends. Your shoulders are very sunburned, by the way. I just now noticed that. Yeah. It happened on the drive back. This is called trucker arm. Yep. Do we want to stop this? Uh, no, this is this is a fun little... This, this is bonus content. So no, I thought glass just... blocks... Were you driving with the window down or up? Window up. Okay. Glass I, does not block all radiation, I thought friend. that glass blocks UV. Not but I guess I am it. wrong. Or this happened only when I was back in Davis and was dropping off Rachel, Maggie, Emily, and Katie. Mm-hmm. But... That, that took a max of like 15 minutes. Yeah. But granted, I'm an academic. <laughs> yeah. Something, That's a lot of sun. <laughs> something fun I've, funny I've noticed is that like I've been wearing tank tops more like uh, at like during the day if I'm playing volleyball mm-hmm. or like doing it on tennis. And for some reason I've noticed like it's literally just the tops of my shoulders that are tanning even though like the side, like my upper arm is all pale, which is I think is just I'm out at noon so the sun's like straight above me. Well, also during the summer, the sun is more vertical, where in the winter, the sun is south for mm-hmm. where we are. So if you're standing mainly arms straight down, mm-hmm. no matter what the what time of day, the sun is always going to be more straight up and down. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was a good almost 30, 35 and a half minutes. Uh, I'm Michael, the computer science major. <laughs> I'm Wyatt, the humanities person. And we'll see you next time. Hello, dutiful listener. Thank you for listening to the footnote. Uh, You will notice throughout all of the show that I tend to make stuff up as I go. As any good humanities major, I use a lot of BS in my research. After a quick Google search, I have now learned that the word dichotomy does in fact come from the Greek with the term dikos, which means two. And then tommy, tia, comes from the verb timau, to cut. So, 
dichotomy is a thing cut in two. Also, I don't know what a metronymic is, unless I was trying to go for a matronymic, which is a name derived from your mother's name. Instead, what we were really looking for is the difference between initialism and acronyms. So an acronym is NASA, STEM, NATO, where an initialism is something where the initials just stand for the word JPL, IBM. So yeah, there is your quick Google search. Thank you for listening.